Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Welcome everyone, I am here as always, Chiron, with the Mere Mortal Book Reviews, where we learn how to crochet. No! Wrong, I'm joking with you. No, this is where we dive into book reviews, give you juicy information, some extract some themes, and some interesting things that you might want to realize about the books we're reading. Today we do have Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, which is a relatively short, I don't even know if you'd call it a book, I guess it's in book form, uh, very small play, fictional play, published in 1949, it's 112 pages in length. If you have the actual thing itself, the pages are relatively small. You'll get through this really quickly. I think it took me probably two, two and a half hours, maybe at max. So I said a fictional play. Are there actually any non-fictional plays? <laughs> I don't think so. I imagine every play is dramatized to make it interesting because real life is, is really actually not that interesting most of the time. But in any way, this, uh, this fictional play uh, explores unfulfilled dreams, family dynamics, and dealing with insanity or craziness. So we have this main character called Willie Loman, who is a, an American salesman. He goes around and sells things. We're not really sure what. And he travels to various locations in the country, um, but his his family all stays in one place. And basically what we see is some, it's it's mostly set towards the later part of his life. So like uh, just before retirement age, it doesn't say his age, but I'm imagining it's like in his 60s. And basically like his son comes home and he's had like a lot of beef with his son Biff. And um, there, there's kind of some like family tensions, dynamics going on between them. It's rather disappointed in his son and, and, uh, and how his life is going, as well as his own life. And we, we see, kind of see him descend more and more into this craziness. We see flashbacks to uh, when they were kids um, and all of these different dynamics. His brother, Ben, this kind of fictional character, this relationship that he never had with his father, his dreams, his hopes of, of becoming rich, becoming famous, all these sorts of things. There's a couple other main characters, uh, Happy, another one of his sons and his wife, Linda. But the real focus is between himself, Willie, and his son, Biff. So what you see in this book is uh, sorts of screaming, sorts of shouting, <laughs> sorts of tension going on. And uh, it's a play, so you also get these subtle cues of what the actors are actually doing. So, you know, it'll be like, Happy comes down the stairs and sits on the steps and this will be um, written in the, the square brackets so you know it's, it's actually indicating what, what is going on within the, uh, the actual play. I'm going to jump on to, I suppose, the questions and themes really quickly here. My main question was, of all the fights, all the misery, all the tragedy that occurs within this book, who was more culpable for it? Who was the character where you could say, you know, their actions, their, what they're doing is, is really highlighting increasing the tension? And I think the balance actually shifts over time. When we see these initial periods of the, when they were children, you'd definitely say, okay, like Willie's probably the cause of what's going to end up being tragedy here because he's like this confident guy. He's talking all this, you know, he's, he's big talk and he's, he's putting a lot of pride into his sons and saying like, Biff, you're going to be the man, like everyone loves you. And I think in a way this is setting him up and almost traumatizing him. Uh, especially when his son goes away from home, like his son experiences his first setbacks of flunking a math class, of um, not winning the the big game. And uh, he, he goes away, he finds his father in a kind of like compromising position and, and he's rather disillusioned, I suppose. He's, he, he's set up for himself. His father has built him up into being like, you're going to be 
amazing. And basically he was telling him like promising him riches, fame, success, just by being likable and, and, and solely on being likable. It doesn't matter what you do with your life. As long as people like you, doors will open on all these sorts of things. But his son actually isn't very likable. His son's a brother of arrogant jackass. And he himself is teetering on that, uh, that, that edge line as well. So, we can definitely see, all right, he set himself, his son up for, for failure. He's, he's rather delusional in how he views life and how life actually works. But, you know, things are relatively still okay. When we jump into the, the main portion of the book set in, you know, real time in the actual, actual time, this is where we, we see, okay, this is where the blame shifts away from Willie and it starts to become onto Biff because Biff is 34 years old. He's still a, basically a loser. He's had many multiple jobs. He's never earned more than, you know, a dollar and an hour, that sort of thing. And despite almost two decades of contradictory evidence that what his father told him was not true, he still believes it. He still believes, like, I can make it big. Um, you know, uh, I've got this opportunity. I'm going to go meet Oliver. Uh, he'll remember me because we were great buddies. I was his best salesman. Um, he'll he'll lend me 15 grand and then we'll go off with my other brother and we're going we're gonna to make it big. We're going to do it. And I just what we really see is like, no, none of this was ever true. Not, none of it. Like, he was a shipping clerk. This guy never knew him. And we see this a lot more of this butting up against reality. The reality of the situation is that every one of them, they're just average people. They're not destined for riches, fame, success, especially not in the way that they're going about and trying to do it. And and we see his father degrade because he's starting to have some mental issues. He's starting to talk to people who aren't there, especially his his brother who he hasn't seen for a while and who actually did make his riches by taking um, a lot of risks, going to Alaska and going to gold mines or into Africa, it's kind of hard to, to piece, pierce out. And I'll talk about that more at the end. Um, and when someone gets like that, increasingly erratic, where their brain is not working, the blame shifts away from them. You, you can't blame them because they, they have no control over it. And look, I can say this personally, watching my mom degrade with Alzheimer's over the last seven years, the, the state she's in now is like, whatever she says, is, is it's not her. It's, there's no... There's no culpability because there's there's no ability for her and, and it'd be irrational for you to say she's in her right mind or he's in his right mind. And so what we eventually realize is, is and recognize and, and Biff recognizes is there was all it was all a, like a fake reality. None of it was actually true. And and so it's kind of funny seeing this blame shift and blame is a a harsh word, I guess, in some sense, it's just interesting to know, like a lot of the misery and pain being caused is, is by people not accepting reality of, of how things actually are. And so we see one, so this being Willie, who was dis, uh, delusional at the, at the very start of his life, or at, at least when he was raising his children, who became crazy and then became dead. And that's not a, a spoiler because it is called death of a salesman. You, you knew what was coming. Uh, and then we see the other one who was Biff, who was naive and um, perhaps a little bit disillusioned, who became delusional and, and thought uh, everything his father told him was true and then became disillusioned and actually accepted reality right at the end. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I, I talked about this recently on, on uh, Mere Mortis podcast, episode 435. Uh, 
where these unrealistic dreams weren't necessarily a bad thing. They did give him hope, this being Willie and probably even Biff himself. Um, although he did a poor job living in the moment of appreciating his sons and his wife and his family, because he, he was always thinking about this other time. And they certainly had good times. And you see this when, you know, they were youngsters and they're playing around. He's teaching them how to play football and everything seems really nice. And, and money wasn't really a, uh, an issue or anything like that. But we, we see this starting to back up. The, the future was always when and not if. And when you have this certainty, this hope, it, it can actually be a nice, good thing. Uh, the problem was the, the contradictory, the cess, success never came. And so his ultimate, uh, his ultimate death uh, at his own hands, yeah, you can only deny reality so long before it really bites you. Um, and, uh, and his loneliness, his regrets, we actually do see this in other portions of the book, um, what, what causes the initial tension between the two of them. Um, you can see it's, it's hinted at. It's hinted at that his perfect life wasn't actually that perfect. So, yeah, interesting, interesting um, topics to get onto there. Let's jump on to uh, Arthur Miller, the author, some extra details. I've talked about him before in my review of The Crucible, so I won't get too much into his backstory. Uh, the backstory to this play, though, is rather interesting because it's basically written about his uncle Manny. And so essentially when Miller was a rather famous playwright on a, in his own right, he, he bumped into his uncle in the, the foyer of, a, of an opera or a, after one of his plays. And his uncle was basically Willie Loman. He was this delusional guy who was still comparing uh, Arthur to his own sons and as if they were still children. He was still comparing them and living in this fantasy world. And it's, uh, it meant to be a fly on the wall and for those conversations would have been really interesting. Um, and, and he wrote this book to be a tragedy of, of common people because most tragedies are, are written about, you know, the Greek gods or someone who has a fall from grace who would attains the riches and the the everything the world has to offer and then falls whereas this is a guy who who never achieves any of it but still has a fall from grace who still has a tragedy so rather rather interesting in, in that respect as well so let's jump on to the the summary similar books recommendations recommendations perhaps um i have a whole lot of pity for these characters um and also how predictable it all turned out <laughs> Just reading probably about, you know, 20 pages in of, so, you know, a fifth of the way through the book, you can already start to see like, uh, okay, I think, I think I might know where this is going to end up and it's, it's not going to be pretty. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would just say I could imagine this being a fantastic play as in watching it in real life. You do get these insights and the, the drum is certainly dramatic. There's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of people talking over each other. Um, but when you're actually reading it, it can actually be kind of hard to pierce because you don't get all of the uh, more subtle cues of what's actually going on. So as you're reading it, you know, you think it's a conversation between uh, Willie and his son Biff and maybe Happy is, is also somewhat sitting into the conversation. So you imagine it's like a three-way kind of conversation. But probably what is actually happening is uh, Biff is talking to Willie, but he's ranting and he's like looking up into the ceiling talking to his old brother ben and and so you're kind of trying to piece together okay i think i know what's going on here but it, it takes a little while it's not like an easy read so definitely this would <laughs> make more sense in a in a play format where you can see what the characters are actually doing what the actors are doing uh, how they're moving and where they're directing their speech so 
I really don't know how to review this. Uh, it's hard to rate in this sense. I'm just going to give it like a four out of 10, Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. Not that it was bad or anything, but in terms of text format, I, I can't say I, I would uh, recommend it highly. But, you know, it, it, if I do get the opportunity to see the play, um, I'd, I probably would see it after reading this. So, you know, just a little interesting highlighting point there. Okay, let's jump on to my V for V section where I can thank some people. I did see Cole sent in a boostergram. So a boostergram for those who want to know is uh, where you can send in a message directly via a podcasting app, um, much like uh, Fountain, Podverse. So this is a audio podcast as well as the visual element. And um, I actually go live on these apps as well. So if you uh, don't want the video and you just want the, the audio, you can also do that. Uh, and he sent in a message. So this is Cole McCormick, one who was uh, this very same Cole McCormick who was uh, appearing on the uh, book reviews from a couple of weeks prior and uh, was my voice actor. And he says, ready for the new project and join the quicker format. Fitting these into a quick break or lunch is how I'll be listening. 1,111 sat sent using Fountain. So thank you, Cole. That's the actual second recommendation I've got. Uh, directly opposite to a Johnny in the chat who was saying he prefers the longer one. So um, we're on a 50-50 tiebreaker here. I'll need someone to, to break that. Andrea, also in the chat, maybe you can let us know if you prefer longer or shorter <laughs> book reviews. Um, and Johnny also, speaking of Johnny, he had a really nice comment. Uh, if you want to know how to send in a boostergram, go to meremortalspodcast.com slash support. And that's uh, where those are the messages I'll, I'll definitely read out uh, kind of like top priority. Um, but uh, I also do like responding to to comments. And Johnny sent in a really nice long one here. So uh, I'm just bringing this up on YouTube. And it was in reference to the last week's, um, well, he, he posted this on Picnic in the Storm, but I wasn't particularly about that. Um, and he was just talking about some of his uh, Steinbeck books, why he liked um, the relatable, uh, relatable everyday people. Um, not sticking with a book if you're not feeling it. And I'm guessing that's what happened with the octopus because I think you were saying you were reading that and um, uh, and eventually gave that up. Uh, and yeah, there was a question last week where I was just asking, is it okay to review books if, uh, if, if, I, if I'm just going to give them a bad review? You know, I think I gave this a good review even though my rating of it was, was bad. And it's a conflict of interest for me because I, I definitely prefer to put out positivity, good energies into the world. I, I don't really want to do takedowns or say nasty things. And um, I, I, it's just makes me sad, makes other people sad if you you hear that sort of stuff. Um, but I think it is worthwhile also examining critically things. And, uh, and probably if I read a book, even if it's not the best of books, like there's a reason I've read it. So it's, it's worthwhile for, for people to, to go through. So um, I will, I will give uh, bad reviews every now and then, you know, it's, I think it was worthwhile for me, even though I haven't done a review of it. Um, I read uh, Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler, which is many, many years ago, probably a decade ago. And it's a terrible book. Like, not only is it really poorly written, but the ideas in it are pretty repugnant. But it's it's worthwhile to go through those sorts of things to be able to say, like, this is why the ideas are bad. This is why um, the style is bad. And it's not even, like, in a literary sense, it's, it's a piece of crap. So... Um, yeah, that's that's uh, uh, my thoughts on that. And uh, he also mentioned he likes older books like uh, Animal Farm. So um, <laughs> he had a craving for bacon after reading that, which is <laughs> pretty funny. 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, the value for value section. I really love for you to send in a comment and um, to this is a value for value podcast. Everything I do here is upfront value for you. And I just ask that you return it in some shape or form. Sharing it, liking it, commenting it on the YouTube is really great. Doing it outside of that, telling people if you've read a book or you came across something, just mentioning the name of the podcast as well helps out. Um, word of mouth is, is really how podcasts spread. So um, would really appreciate that. And then uh, you can also do monetary support to, to help pay for, you know, audio hosting, cameras, lights, all this sort of thing. So all of that is very much repeat, uh, um, appreciated repeatable as well if you want to repeat it <laughs> and you can do that via some of the links down in the show notes so this will get us on to the last thing that you could uh, also do which is join us on the live here so we've got a couple of people in the live johnny who i already mentioned before and he was saying he didn't get through the octopus uh and andrea the artist andrea artist says i like all formats it's your show andrea <laughs> it's not help thank you i appreciate that also not helpful in being a tiebreaker but i i very much appreciate that so we're going to wrap it up there for today people thank you for joining me what's coming up next i this was meant to be the innocence abroad by mark twain what i'm actually finding is i prefer reading that book in a much slower format uh, and i'll talk about that in the actual book review why i do that but i think what will come up next is a room with a view by em forster and then i'll do mark twain's um book after that so yeah a couple of books coming up get ready for them appreciate them and uh, i really hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world i'm live here 10 a.m australian eastern standard time would love for you to come join me with um, andrea and, and johnny and we'll be here next week as always so ciao for now kyron out bye bye bye